Turning this morning to Philippians chapter 4, please. So Philippians 4 and verse 10, let's hear the word of the Lord. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. Wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Amen. Ending our reading at verse 13. So let's just join together in prayer, please, and look to the Lord to speak uh, to our hearts this morning and to those even around you. That's Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and loving Father, we thank Thee for a sense of Thy presence. And we thank Thee, we can say that moment by moment, that we're kept in Thy love. We thank Thee, O Father, that moment by moment, we have life from above. And we thank Thee, Lord, we can look to Jesus, the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who lived, who died for us, His people. Lord, we can look to Him to give us what we need, Lord, I need, this is what I need, I need a fresh cleansing. And Lord, I need to be infilled by the Spirit. And therefore, by faith, I ask Thee for the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I claim the promised Holy Ghost. And I pray, O God, with expectancy, that You will give what I have asked for. And I pray, O Father, that Thou would use the Word this morning. Thou hast given the Word. And I pray, O God, that You would, Lord, as it were, not let me to be a hindrance to the Word. All my inability, my weakness, Lord, I pray that Thou will come Thyself. The Holy Ghost will stand and minister here, that He will come and speak to every heart, that Thou would settle down, O God, the uh, whole atmosphere in the gathering. And we pray, O God, to be a stillness, the awareness of a holy God. This is Thy Word, it's Thy truth. Lord, we come to give the sense of it. We come not to give our own thoughts or something, O God, that we have dreamt up Lord, thinking would be good for the people. Lord, we have come to open up the book and to hear what the Lord our God would have to say. So give us hearts that are receptive. Speak to saint and sinner alike, and in this be glorified. For I ask us all the Savior's worthy and His precious name. Amen. Now this morning we come to one of the best known and most often quoted verses. In this epistle to the believers at Philippi, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And this verse has been both a comfort and a challenge to the saints of God throughout the ages. It adorns many a wall and many a home. It is often found in the front of a Christian greeting card. And it is the life verse of many a Christian. It is both succinct and sweet and therefore it is a staple memory verse of Sunday schools and children's meetings. However, it's a verse that has been often misunderstood and quoted under wrong circumstances. For example, athletes have used it when they have won a race and overcome the odds. They have misconstrued the all things what they stand for in this verse. It's a verse, it's often plucked out of context and repackaged as a feel-good mantra an inspirational quote to be repeated in someone's mind. But this verse, it's found in a specific context. 
And context is always key to understanding what the Scripture means. What Paul is saying here under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Now, the last time we looked at the verses preceding this great verse, and we did so under the heading, Content in Christ. Paul was a man who had a settled disposition of peace. That is, as Jeremiah Burroughs puts it, a rare jewel that the Christian can possess, especially in these days where the spirit of discontent is abroad. The apostle, he had that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, whereby the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, it garrisoned his heart. It, as it were, insulated him from the circumstances around him. Not that it shielded him to the fact that they did not happen, but really he was not shaken by the trouble, and that's a different thing entirely. Now, we notice the discontentment was something that Paul acquired. We hear him say in verse 11, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. By nature, sinners are devoid of contentment. Just like Adam, who was not content with his position or his possessions, well, sinners, they are devoid of contentment. And that is until they come and they have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we can say of Paul here, O Paul, he was a contented man because that was just his makeup, that was his nature, that was his personality. No, Paul, through the many experiences of life, both bad and good, and under the instruction of the Holy Ghost, had come to learn to be content. Now, we also noticed that discontentment was something that was applied in his life. He applied the truth of what he was and what he had in Christ Jesus to the circumstances that he found himself in. He knew what it was to be content with his lot in life, whether that was when men derided him or praised him, when he was hungry or when he was full, when he had plenty or when he had nothing. And each opposite has its own challenge to remaining content. But Paul, well, he had found a secret, Christ. He was content in Christ. And this is the context of verse 13. Here is a man in prison. And any day the door could burst open, he could be taken away to die a martyr's death. But he was rejoicing, he was content. How could he bear up under such conditions? Surely the burden that this man had carried, the things that this man had faced, surely it was too heavy for him to bear. How is he still running the race? How is he still fighting the good fight of faith? Well, he tells us why. And that brings us to verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, many people, when they casually read the writings of the Apostle Paul, they might think that he was a man of great self-confidence, that there was an air of arrogance about that man, but nothing could be further from the tr truth. He was a most humble servant of the Lord, and the fact is, his confidence was in Christ. He was confident in his Savior's ability to provide for him the grace that he needed to face the things and to do the things that he needed to do. Paul was content in Christ because he was confident in Christ. 
And that's the heading that we're going to consider verse 13 under this morning. Confident in Christ. You and I, as God's people, can be confident in Jesus Christ. The first thing that I want you to notice from this verse is the personal declaration. Look at the opening words, I can do all things. This is a language of one that speaks with a tone of confidence. Now this verse, it comes as a whole, and we're going to look at the rest of it in due course. So this was not a self-confidence by Paul. It's not something that he is declaring that he has confidence in his own ability, his own strength, his own power, his own determination. And he so clearly states that in this verse. But he makes a personal declaration of confidence that he can do all things. I can do all things. Now I read Martin Lloyd-Jones on this last night after I had prepared this. And I have listened to so much of Martin Lloyd-Jones that I'm actually reading that book in the tone in which he, he would have preached it. And I, I, I love that, I have to say. It's like I'm sitting there listening to the man. But he said here, it's very important that we don't overemphasize the I, but that we don't dismiss it. You see, there's a tendency, and there's this, we could say, philosophy. It's let go, let Christ. Let Christ do everything. But that's not what we find here. This is a personal declaration. Paul says, I can do. And so you and I as God's people, we have a responsibility. Now we'll see, and we'll work it out here, uh, that we're not left to ourselves, and we'll come to that in due course. But Paul says here, I can do all things. And the meaning of these words, I can do, it says here, I have the power, the strength. And therefore, the words here, they speak of ability, not permission. Paul is not saying here that he is licensed to do whatever he wants. No, rather, he has the strength to do all things. Now, you know, young people, children, when you're in school, you maybe ask, can I or may I is a great difference. Can refers to ability. May refers to permission. But what we have here, when Paul says, I can do all things, he speaks of ability. I have the power. I have the strength. He has the strength to do the all things contained in this verse. Now this verb, it's also used in Luke chapter 14. and the verses 29 and 30, if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 14 and the verses 29 and 30. And there the Lord is telling the parable about a man who was going to build a tower. But first he sits down and he considers, he takes into account if he can finish it or not. And in verse 30 we read these words, This man began to build and was not able. There's the verb in the negative, to finish. There's a man, he did not have the resources to finish, to carry out the task. But Paul is saying here that he did have the resources to do the all things, to complete the objectives that were laid out before him in the plan and the purpose of God. And so do you and I, child of God. How often do we not find ourselves saying, I can't? Maybe not outwardly with our words, but inwardly in our thoughts. I just can't. 
I can't go on. I can't cope. I can't do that. It's above and beyond me. I, I haven't the resources. I haven't the strength. I haven't the power. I haven't the ability. I haven't the gifts. And the reason why we do that is we are taking stock of our own personal inventory. We look into our own personal resources that we have. We take account of our wisdom. We take account of our, our strength. We think about our capabilities and our talents. And we find them to be deficient to be able to do the all things. And the reality is, if we're left to ourselves, if we are going in our own might and standing in our own strength, well, then we are right. We can't. We can't do all things. I wonder, is that where you find yourself this morning, child of God? In the pessimism of I can't, rather in the optimism of I can. But I trust this morning that this word will, will move you from the one state of affairs, from the I can't to the I can, not because you've heard a motivational talk, but because you have a great Savior, one you can have confidence in. Now, it's very important that we clarify what the all things mean in this verse. And Paul says, I can do all things. And this is where the verse is often misapplied. It's taken literally and without limit. Paul's not saying, or he's not advocating here a, a holy omnipotence. Not saying that, well, you know, I can jump 15 feet in the air straight up, or I can run a marathon even if I've got some sort of debilitating illness or condition. Paul's not saying that at all. This phrase, all things, is qualified, we have to say, by the will of God. It is the all things in the will of God that one may have to encounter or do. That's what Paul is speaking about here. And Paul is a man who is obviously in the will of God. See, the Lord had told him that he must. He must stand before governors and kings. And the providence of God had brought him to that point, even though he now finds himself in prison so Paul could do this stint in prison. He could endure that, but more than that, he could endure it with contentment because it constituted a part of the all things of the will of God for him. That's where God had him. That's where God placed him. He wasn't there for any sin or any wrongdoing. He hadn't wandered out of the way or ran from the will of God, and therefore this man was able to say, I can do all things I have the resources to fulfill the will of God with joy. And here we have an example of the well-proven saying, the will of God will not lead you where the grace of God will not keep you. Or as one man commented, the Lord's commands are always the Lord's enablements where the finger of God points, the hand of God provides the way. And that's what we have here. When you, child of God, are in the will of God, you're doing the will of God, you're doing your Christian duty, well, you too can say, I can do all things. Whatsoever things come across my path. That's a warning. If you're out of the will of God, you will not have contentment. You will not have strength. You will not have power. You will not have the ability. You will not have the resources to face the things you have to face with joy, with a peace in your heart. 
Maybe that's why there's so much agitation out of the will of God. Wondering, why can I, why have I no joy? It's in the will of God. The all things are in the will of God. That's what we're qualified by. In the Greek, the all things, it is in the emphatic position. And that means it comes first in the sentence. And we could read it like this. All things in the will of God, I have the power to endure. I have the resources to complete. And that's what Paul is saying. But look at these all things in a little more detail on how it concerns Paul. And then we can draw application from it because this all thing, these all things not only have a material and physical aspect to them, but also a spiritual side. Now, Paul, he does not say when he says, I can do all things, you know, I can go forever without eating. Or I can go forever without eating. Or, you know, I can take 5,000 stripes and just keep on living. No, people cannot do without eating. People cannot do without drinking. There's a limit to persecution that people, not only Paul, can bear. But Paul, Paul knew the Lord would give him the grace to endure, would give him the resources to bear up under those physical afflictions until they be passed until, or until it's his time to depart. He would have the strength to go through those things. All the deprivations, all the difficulties in relation to the material and the physical, it matters not. What suffering his persecutors put upon him, he felt that he was quite able through divine grace to bear it. And you know, again, that's been proved by many a martyred saint throughout the ages. When John Ardley was brought before Bishop Bonner, Bonner taunted him and said, you will not be able to bear the fleeing. It will convert you. The faggots will be sharp preachers to you. Ardley responded, I am not afraid to try it. And I tell thee, Bishop, if I had as many lives as I have hairs on my head, I would give them all up sooner than I would give up Christ. Bishop Bonner, he also held the hand of John Tompkins over a candle finger by finger, saying to him, I'll give you a taste of the fire before thou shalt come to it. And as each finger blistered and cracked, Tompkins, he smiled and he laughed in the face of his tormentor. He was ready to suffer in every member of his body because he knew he could do all things as he was in the will of God. Christian, you too can do all things. You have the resources available to you to endure all those things that come to you in the will of God, whether in respect to material or physical. But the all things also includes the spiritual. You see, the spiritual resources are available for us all to fulfill the commands and the duties that God requires of us in our Christian life. Have you been called to be a preacher, or an elder, or a deacon, or a Sunday school teacher? Have you been asked to, to teach a Bible lesson for the first time in the children's meeting, or whatever task you feel is above you? Remember, I can do all things. 
there are the resources available to also deal with our inward corruptions and struggles. There may be someone here that I'm addressing, and, well, you have a natural tendency to a quick temper. And you feel you cannot curb it. You cannot overcome it. You say, that's just who I am. Well, you can do all things. See, this verse removes the excuse. Spurgeon, he said, there is no weakness or evil propensity with which a Christian cannot overcome. There are resources, there is strength, there is power. See, this promise, or this verse does not promise you that you can do anything that you want to do, but it does promise that you can do anything that God wants you to do. Motivational speakers, they would say things like this, you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it. Just believe in yourself. Well, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying, you know, I believe in myself, that I have confidence in myself. No, he says I can do all things through Christ. And that brings me to my second point this morning. Not only in this verse do we have the personal declaration, but there is the personal affiliation through Christ. This is the heart, the kernel of the verse. This may be my shortest point this morning, but it is the sweetest. These two words, through Christ, they are the comfort, they are the assurance, they are the confidence of the Christian in this life to do and face all they have to do and face, but not only life, for death and for eternity through Christ. Here is where. Or I should say, in whom our resources are found, brethren and sisters. They are ours through Him. Or in the Greek, in Christ. So we can read this as follows. I have the power and the resources to do all things in the will of God because I am in Christ. In Christ. Here we have the glorious doctrine of union with the blessed Savior. See, in Christ is a key phrase in all of Paul's epistles. It speaks of a believer's vital union and identification with the Lord. So even as a branch apart from the vine cannot bear no fruit, so the believer, apart from abiding in Jesus Christ, can do nothing. And the Savior Himself put this verse 13 in a negative in John 15 verse 5, Without me ye can do nothing. Yet in Him, with Him, through Him, we can do all things. Child of God, you have been brought into a mystical, and yet real and vital and living, spiritual and separable union with the Lord Jesus. And union with Christ, it is essential and central to the Christian faith. You see, unless a sinner has been united to Christ by faith, well then they cannot and they will not receive the benefits that he has merited for his people through the work that he has accomplished. You see, all those benefits are bound up in Jesus Christ. We're told that in Ephesians 1 and the verse number 3. By our union with Christ, 
God confers upon us all the benefits that Christ has merited by His life, His death, and His resurrection. There's a number of passages in the New Testament that speaks of our union with Christ. Under different metaphors, different imagery, we are the branches, He is the vine. He is the chief cornerstone, and we as living stones are built upon Him. He is the head, and we are the members of the body. He is the heavenly bridegroom, and, and we are the bride. And beyond those biblical images, we have phrases such as in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Him, through Christ, mentioned over 200 times in the New Testament. It was Paul's favorite designation of the believers' union that they have with Jesus Christ. You see, the, the, the apostle, he wasn't confident in his own strength and ability. He was confident in another. He was leaning and supported by another. He was joined to another who had all the resources that he would ever need. And that's why he says what he does in Galatians chapter 2 and the verse 20. For there he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now, remember, it's not to the dismissal of I, but it says here, the life which I now live, in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I am not only connected to Christ, but Christ is living in me. So vital and intimate is that union. The life that I live is His life living in me. It's a wonderful thought. Therefore, we have this supply of grace to meet our needs. And Paul actually takes up that point in verse 19, the other great verse of this chapter 4. You see, the apostle, he recognizes that the challenges, the difficulties that he had previously experienced and faced well, those beyond the ability of any human to remain in a state of peace and contentment that required a level of strength beyond human capability. The strength needed, the power to persevere, had come from somewhere else, someone else, Christ. Dear child of God, you think of the trials. Think of the trials you have come through. Or the tasks, the labors that you have done for the Master. You know, if you had have known beforehand what you would have faced or what the task would have entailed, you would have said, you know, I, I can't go through that. I can't do that. But because of your union with Christ, you have found, you can look back and you can say, I can. And I did. Does it necessarily mean that your tasks and your troubles are over? No. Because there's many here and you still carry a burden and there's still labor to be done, but it does mean that there are resources that we have from Jesus Christ for He is not diminished by His giving. And you and I are united to Him. 
the apostle had learned the secret of abiding in Christ. F.B. Meyer, he wrote, apart from Christ we can do nothing. Whilst we are abiding in Him, nothing is impossible. And therefore, child of God, the one purpose of our life, therefore, should be to guard against anything and everything that would seek to come between that union, that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And we to employ all means of strengthening it. And as we do so, we will find we will find that strength will flow into us in every situation we face. Paul does not say here, I can't. That's a language of pessimism. He does not say, I can do all things and leave it there. That's the language of presumption. But he does say, I can do all things through Christ. That's the language of power. And that brings me to my last point this morning. Not only a personal declaration and the, the precious affiliation, but we have here the powerful communication. The communication of strength. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, strength is the grace that is focused on here because it was strength that Paul needed to bear up under the trial of his imprisonment. But the truth can be applied to any grace that we may need. It comes through Christ. The word strengthen, it is a compound verb. And it means to put power into, to infuse with strength. And that's why I speak about a communication. The idea is to be able to cause one to function or to do something. Now, you can refer to a physical strengthening, and we read of that in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 34. And we read there, out of weakness were made strong. But more often than not, this word refers to a spiritual or a moral strengthening as we read of Abraham. In the case of Abraham, who we read in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, it said of him, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was made strong. That's very interesting. He didn't make himself strong, but he was made strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, perhaps the greatest illustration of this strengthening in the life of the Apostle Paul is found in 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn there, in the chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, Paul says in verse 7, he says in verse 7, "...unless I should be exalted..." Above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And there the apostle Paul, he speaks about his weakness. And he does so with hindsight, for he speaks of it there as that which is given by the Lord for the purpose of keeping humble. But at the time, as we can see from verse 8, he prayed, he asked the Lord to take it away. So he's speaking with hindsight now. He sees, he's looking back clearly, and he, he knows this was given to him to keep him humble, to stop him from being exalted, because God had really blessed this man, had given him visions above measure and in abundance. And so he's speaking with hindsight now. And he asked the Lord at that time to take it away. But how did the Lord respond with those wonderful words in verse 9? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect 
in weakness. The Lord told Paul that he, that's the apostle, would not be able to endure the problem, whatever it might be, in his own strength, but he could rely on supply. And that's what we have here. He could rely on supply, and so could you, child of God. You see, Paul, having learned in whatsoever state he was in, to be content, he goes on to say in verse 9, there, most humbly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Or we could think of the Apostle Paul as he stood before the emperor in imperial Rome. At his first hearing, and what a daunting thing that must have been. And he did it with no friend or helper at his side. And yet we read in 2 Timothy 4.17, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Same word, the Lord communicated the strength into that man to enable him to bear a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. This word strengthening. It's in the present tense. You know, that implies and means that Christ continually gives us power to accomplish the task or to face the difficulty, to endure the trial with joy and peace. It's not the past, but present strength that we need. You know, some think, well, I was converted 50 years ago, and I don't need daily supplies of grace, but that's not true. You do. We need daily resources from the Lord so that we can do the all things of the will of God. There's many promises in God's Word concerning His communication of strength to us. And there's no greater portion, I suspect, than in Isaiah chapter 40. Towards the end of that great chapter, 29, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Spurgeon, he made this comment, How is it that Christ doth strengthen His people? None of us can explain the mysterious operations of the Holy Spirit. I do not pretend to be able to show how Christ communicates strength to His people by the mysterious inflowings of the Spirit's power. The great Spurgeon couldn't do it, and neither can I. I can't explain it. I can't show you how it's done. But like Spurgeon, I believe the Word of God, and He has said He will give us strength. He will communicate His power to us that you and I are unable to do the all things, have the resources to do what is above and beyond us. To face, to face those awful tragedies that come across our path. J. Wilbur Chapman, in his great hymn, Jesus, What a Friend of Sinners, he penned the words, Jesus, what a strength and weakness. Let me hide myself in him, tempted, tried, and often feeling he my strength, my victory wins. The Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. 
what a verse this is. It has truly blessed my heart. We read it, I can do all things. But you look into those words, I have the resources to do all things because I am in Christ who continually communicates His strength to me. This verse, this verse is a message of encouragement to those who are doing something for Christ. But they feel their own inability, their own weakness. You're fainting, you're weary, you're tired, you're exhausted. It's above and beyond you. You're saying to yourself, I can't. Child of God, you're not to cease from God's work. Or you're not to halt from going forward in God's work because you are unable to perform it yourself. Here's the encouragement. I can do all things through Christ. This verse, it's also a message of challenge to those who are doing nothing. And they're using their inability and their weakness and their lack of gifts as an excuse. Here's the challenge to you. I can't pray in a public prayer meeting. Well, can you not? Is it not God's will that we pray? I can't do that. Paul says here, I can do. I have the resources to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a challenge for those who are on the peripheries. Maybe say, oh, well, I can't. No, no. Here we have the Lord's word, I can. I can. This verse, it's also a comfort. Not only encouragement and a rebuke or a challenge, but it's also a a word of comfort to those who are feeling the heavy burden. Here this morning thinking, well, I I can't. I can't go on. I'm a breaking point pastor. This is too hard. Child of God, you can. It's not a motivational talk. Not a little pet talk to pat you in the back. You can because you're in Christ. And he is everything for you. You call upon him. How he communicates that into you, that's a mysterious workings of the operation of the Spirit that I don't even try to stand here and explain to you or exposit to you or show to you. I can't do that, but I believe what the Word of God says. He will strengthen you. What a wonderful verse to counteract the bouts of doubt, to repel the darts of the devil, and to content the discontent. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. May the Lord bless His word to all our hearts and help us as God's people. Life is not easy. The enemy rages. We live in a fallen world. But we can be content in Christ because we can have confidence in Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father and our God, 
We come to Thee, and Lord, we have to say so often we, we look at ourselves. How readily, how quickly, how often we have cried, we have lamented. I can't. Lord, we thank Thee that the Spirit has brought this verse to our minds. So often I can. I can do Thee all things in the will of God through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Lord, bless thy people. Lord, those in thy will. Lord, it's not that they've been walking in rebellion, not they've been sinning or running away from the will of God, and yet they have had to face the most awful things, Lord. Lord, strengthen them, help them. Lord, those that are involved in the work and the labor, Lord, it's heavy, it's hard. There's daily work. People go to their own employment, family life, all responsibilities that are legitimate, those with health concerns. Lord, we pray that you will strengthen us, that we, were, that we are able to do the all things for the glory and the honor of thy name, that we would be content, Lord, content. Lord, bless your people. Encourage their souls. Challenge those or maybe doing nothing. They throw up excuses, Lord. But Lord, impress this verse upon their mind or heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you would part us with your blessing. May our hearts be a treasure chest to store up this word, to be like Mary, who, who kept all these things, added to what we've heard last week and weeks before, and through preaching Reverend Greer and myself, Lord, May we treasure up these things and, and then ponder them throughout the week and live them out in our lives. Now, Father, may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Spirit be the portion of your dear people, both now and forevermore. We ask in the Savior's precious and his worthy name. Amen.